Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. This bonus episode of Women Belong in the House is brought to you by Madison Reed. As many of you know, I launched Women Belong in the House because I was inspired by all the powerful and confident women I saw running for Congress, including my own mother. That's why I was so happy to discover that Madison Reed was founded on a very similar principle, that a confident woman is a beautiful woman. There's even a fun mother-daughter connection. Madison Reed's founder, Amy Arrett, named the company after her daughter, Madison Reed. So if like me, you've typically not felt confident about coloring your hair at home, I'm so happy to say that with Madison Reed, you get salon quality, multi-dimensional hair color right at home. Starting at just $22, Madison Reed will deliver straight to your door. Plus, Madison Reed's products have ingredients that are actually good for your hair stuff like argan oil, keratin, and ginseng root extract. So you get this super shiny, healthy looking hair color. I wasn't sure what color to get, so I took Madison Reed's color quiz to find my right tone and shade. It's a great tool if this is your first time coloring at home. My product is currently in the mail, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Get yours for 10% off your first color kit and free shipping by visiting madison-reed.com and entering my promo code, W-B-I-T-H. That's 10% off your first color kit plus free shipping when you go to madison-reed.com and use the promo code W-B-I-T-H. Go to madison-reed.com to find your perfect shade. That's madison-reed.com. I'm Jenny Kaplan, co-founder and CEO of Wonder Media Network, and this is a special edition of Women Belong in the House. Initially, we had planned to bring you a lightly edited version of my full interview with Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson from Texas's 30th District. But a lot has happened in the months since Representative Johnson and I last spoke. I reached back out to Representative Johnson, and I was honored that she agreed to hop on the phone with me again to discuss the recent protests in the wake of George Floyd's death. We spoke last week, and as you're about to hear, it's a very raw conversation. I'm exceptionally grateful to Representative Johnson for granting us so much of her time and for being so forthright. This conversation was yet another reminder that the fight for racial justice and the end of police brutality in our country is a battle that's anything but new. Representative Johnson has long been on the front lines fighting for change. Before we dive into the interview, I also want to note that in a continued effort to lift up underrepresented voices, Wonder Media Network is offering free ad space to organizations working for social justice. If that applies to you or someone you know, please contact me at jenny at wondermedianetwork.com. Now here's my most recent conversation with Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson. Thank you for listening. 
Hello. Hi, Congresswoman, this is Jenny. I'm delighted to talk with you, Jenny. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really am just so grateful. It means a lot. And I don't want to take too much of your time, so I want to just hop right in. It's sort of wild to think that we spoke a little more than a month ago for the first time, and we were planning to release just lightly edited version of that interview, but I wanted to talk to you because a whole lot has happened between a little more than a month ago and now, and I, I want to make sure to give you a chance to comment on that. So just first to get started, what message or messages are you focused on delivering right now to your constituents and to Americans generally? Well, to my my constituents are delivering a message to me, but I think that in response, what I'm trying to convey to them is somewhat of the same type of message when this pandemic struck, that we've got to be involved, we've got to show high emotions, but it has to be as peaceful as possible. And they're tired of hearing it. Oh, this this is a never-ending story. And I, I truly believe that this time we have got to address some legislation, both federally and state, to ensure that the people understand that they have a fair chance against law enforcement. It is clear that the history is is very clear, and that I don't think they're interpreting it incorrectly. That is a double standard, and they're tired of it, and I don't think that they're going to be putting up with it in a peaceful way, although I'm stressing peaceful demonstrations. There's a lot of hopelessness out there, um, and I think that's reflected in, in what you just said and feeling like things have to change. You've served in Congress for a long time, and I'm wondering, how does this compare to other times that you've been in office where it feels like something has to change, or are there any similar times? There have been many similar times, and we give them the same story each time. We try to pass legislation, but nothing changes but the legislation when it changes, and and people are really at a point where they feel really hopelessness because law enforcement with the influence, it seems, from the top of the, the government uh, have the free hand to treat people in whatever way they want. And normally, it has been the minorities that have gotten the brunt end of that. And no matter what kind of legislation that we try to pass, whether it's a state level or federal, they still seem to end up uh, on the winning side. And this unfairness has gone on years and years and years. And I really believe that these young people are tired of hearing the same old story. They want to see some real change. And I think I've done studies. I have submitted um, recommendations to local governments. I've been I had my first interim study on police brutality back in 1974. Nothing really has changed since then. It only changes when we give a little bit of attention. When we started community policing in this particular community, it made a major difference. But it only lasted as long as the grant money lasted from the Justice Department. We don't seem to have a Justice Department that is sensitive to that type of support at this time. 
we're still sending a lot of military weapons to our local police. You know, I've spoken out against that. I've sponsored legislation saying that we are trying to do peaceful things in the community. These are peace officers. They're not war officers, and war weapons are not appropriate. Well, it still goes on. So that's what I think that many of the people are seeing, that what the people are asking for never seems to be adhered to or given much attention. And when you see the president threatening to do military action, our military was not put together to bring war scenes to this country. Our military is put together to protect this country from invasion and to help to bring democracy around the world. The hopelessness sets in, and that's where all the destruction comes about. What actions can be a need to be taken by the people who are in power? Well, first of all, they've got to listen. And secondly, it's got to work together. It's got to work both local, state, and federal. Mixed messages and mixed attitudes and racist attitudes are not hidden anymore. People listen. They hear. They interpret phrases. And as far as the young people are concerned, nothing has changed since slavery. If your skin is dark and you're up against someone with a gun, you're the loser, no matter what you've done. And so it also encourages more negative action when they come in contact with law enforcement officials because they feel they're going to die anyway, so why try anything else? We've got to make sure that the attitude of fairness prevails in this country. It has not up to this time. Uh, We have passed temporary legislation, and it expires or some never enforce it, Uh, it gets quiet for a moment, but nothing fundamentally changes. And that's what the issue is now. They want fundamental change. They want to see fairness and justice regardless of your money and regardless of your color. What have the conversations been like within Congress? Have other representatives been talking with you? How, How has it been sort of behind the scenes since these latest protests started? Well, yes, we've talked a lot. As a matter of fact, I just got off a call where we were talking about it. You know, what happens is that for the most part, they'll wait for the minorities to put forth some legislative measure, and we probably can pass it in the House, and that could very well be the end of it. Many of the members of Congress are energized and want to bring about change but we recognize the odds we face. It seems like a lot of legislation to try to enact change has met that fate where it gets passed in the House and then nothing comes of it. Do you think that given the size and scope of the protests right now, perhaps it might be possible to pass something in the Senate too, or or do you think we're too divided? Well, I hope so. The effort will be made. Just had a conversation with the senator from New Jersey who was on a call earlier. Uh, We want to make the effort. We cannot give up on effort, but we too are weary. With the attitudes in this country right now, sure, we're weary, but we're not going to give up. There are too many people depending on us to try to bring about some change, and we're going to try our best to do that. How can this moment be a catalyst for change? Change has to come with people who've resisted it. 
I have not been on the side of resisting change to bring us to a justice and fairness attitude in this country. I've been on the side working for it. I don't have to do much changing. We just have to continue with the effort. The effort is going to have to come from those people who seem to never understand what it's like to be Black in America. What are those people or people generally, what are people missing about this right now? There's a lot of a volume. Now, of- you know what? Now, you can answer that better than I can because you're <laughs> white. I can't answer that for you. I wish I could. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Is there anything else that I, I haven't asked you that you wish I would ask? Well, I appreciate this conversation. I really wish it was something else I could offer. The frustration is very great throughout this community, and we have lots of sympathy with people who are not minority. But we always have had that, and it still has not been enough to seemingly to get any lasting change brought about. What I recommend is impacting the police academies, because many will admit that many of the prejudices start in their orientation within the academies. I have, I have asked for that. I've asked for community policing so that people will get to know who the law enforcement people are in their communities and develop a relationship so they can be understood. And, and, and I didn't just, just start this. I've been working on this since the 70s. And it just seems like it never goes away. It might have a temporary let up for a while and it goes right back to the same. But we're going to have to do something to impact the attitudes of law enforcement in this nation. It is not a war position. It is a peacemaking position. How do you keep the attitude of of just continuing to press on? You've mentioned that you've been working on this and, and nothing's changed. How do you Keep yourself well, going. If you're black in America, you can never give up. You see the injustices year in and year out, year in and year out, year in and year out. But if you give up, it gets worse. Wow. I am hoping that maybe this time something can change. Um, but I can only really thank you for everything that you've done and hope that I can help <laughs> however I can. But- well, thank you. I think your very attitude helps. And sometimes just writing a little bit about it might get some attention. Sometimes people don't think about it until something like this happens. And just, you know, the reality is if it's something that's not affecting the majority of the population, it doesn't occur to them to do much about it. And yet we've got to have the majority in this battle with us. This has been a minority problem. But it's affecting all of us because when you have people that don't feel they have a fair chance, the attitude is not always turn the other cheek. But that's what's been expected. So we're just hoping that enough people can see the pain and the anguish and the frustration of minorities, especially men, but there have been so many women included in this killings too, that somehow they got to understand that we're not going to live with it. We'd rather die than to live with it. And it gets, it gets to be more of that attitude the more that young people come along and say, now, my grandparents put up with this, my great-grandparents put up with this, but I'm not going to. And so we're beginning to see that that lends itself to confrontation. We'd like to do this without any more bloodshed. It's only a matter of holding up to our Constitution for fairness and justice. 
colorblind fairness and justice. We have not reached that in this country. Thank you again for your continuous work on this. Appreciate you taking the time to give it some thought. You Thank too. You so very much. Thank you again to Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson for this conversation and for her continued fight for racial equality in America. I greatly appreciate her candor with me, and I hope you found this conversation as valuable as I did. Before you go, I have a quick request. We're eager to know more about our audience, so we created a short listener survey to help us learn more about you. Visit wondermedianetwork.com survey to share your thoughts and be entered to win some Wonder Media Network swag. That's wondermedianetwork.com survey. I'll also post the link in the episode notes. Make sure to keep an eye on your Women Belong in the House feed for updates on our upcoming third season. Women Belong in the House is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and executive produced by me, Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to Louisa Garbowit. Original theme music by Miles Moran. To stay up to date with what's going on at WMN, Follow us on Instagram at WMN.media and Twitter at WMN Media. You can also reach me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. I'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.